The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Like double dog dare ya! Was that wrong? You ought to be ashamed of yourself. How the hell is that Mike Florio's job? So what, no f***ing now? It's a Tuesday edition of PFTPM, recording a little bit early today just because I want to articulate some thoughts about the Patrick Mahomes contract. I've written about this at ProFootballTalk.com. I want to explain in further detail why I believe what I believe about the Mahomes contract. And my broad belief is he shouldn't sign it. And Patrick, if you're listening, and the chances that you're listening are slim and none, if you haven't signed it yet, don't sign it. A 12-year commitment is way too long of a contract for a player of his skill and ability to sign. I'm talking to you now, not him. I've, I've given up on talking to him because I know he's not listening. But here's the bottom line. He's the best player in football right now. Potentially. Potentially the best player of all time. We'll find out in the coming years. And in the coming 12 years, the Chiefs have exclusive control over his rights. He can't get out for 12 years. He can't force his way back to the table over the course of the next 12 years. Sure, he could hold out at some point. He doesn't seem like the type that would hold out, but he could. If he gets to a point where he looks around in 2027, 2028, and realizes that that contract with a new money average of $45 million per year pales in comparison to somebody we haven't even heard of yet, who may be making $60 million per year at the time, and the salary cap may be north of 300 million, maybe 400 million per year at the time. There's too much uncertainty over the way the game is going to change, over the way the money is going to grow. And in some respects, the Chiefs got him at a perfect time. Because right now, the uncertainty skews negative. We're looking at the pandemic. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know when things are going to be normal again. Well, at some point, they will be. And when they are normal, there will be plenty of people spending plenty of money and plenty of time watching football. And as states throughout the country try to repair their budgets after the pandemic, the reality is this. There will be legalized gambling coast to coast. There'll be exceptions, Utah. Beyond that, hell, maybe even Utah will give in and allow legalized gambling because that's a way to make back a lot of money and everyone's losing money. State and federal governments are losing money and everyone else for the most part is losing money during this pandemic. The legalized gambling will spread. More money will be made by the NFL. More money will be made by the teams. Everything will get larger and larger and larger and larger, except Patrick Mahomes' contract. 10-year, $450 million extension. 12-year, $477 million contract. Think about that for a second. It's not a half-billion-dollar deal. It's not. I may be the only person in the media who will say to you, it's not a half-billion-dollar deal. 477, yeah, close, yeah, 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 close enough. It's not a half billion. It gets to a half billion with 25 million in incentives, two and a half million per year, spread out over 10 years. And we don't know what it takes to get to the two and a half million. Maybe it's easy. Maybe he's got to be the MVP of the league or the Super Bowl MVP every year to get the two and a half million. 
We don't know. I just feel like somebody wanted to say, here's a half billion dollar contract, the first half billion dollar contract in all of sports. The problem is by the time we get to the second half of the contract, there's a good chance Patrick Mahomes is going to be feeling some regret. There's a good chance he's going to be feeling like he's not being paid fairly. And if push comes to shove, there's nothing he can do about it. And see, the problem is, before you even get to the point where you complain about this deal, you have to be willing to acknowledge to the world, maybe I shouldn't have signed the deal. That's the first hurdle. See, that, that's, that's the genius of this deal. That's why the Chiefs employees were out looking for champagne yesterday. This is a great deal for them. And this is a deal that there's a good chance Patrick Mahomes will never say, I have regrets over it, even if he does. Th think about it. And I, th this is the John Voight's car example. Remember the Seinfeld episode where the uh, George Costanza decision was made to buy the car that was owned by John Voight? And then there was a question as to whether or not it was really John Voight, the actor. And, and he kept doubling down and digging in because he didn't want to look foolish. See, players will be inclined to double down and dig in on contracts that they shouldn't have signed because the first step is to admit, maybe I shouldn't have done this. And I'm telling you, he shouldn't have done it. No great player should sign a 12-year contract. There's no reason to do it because you quickly get to the point in the life of the contract where it's a one-way deal. We talk about this all the time. The team has the right to rip it up anytime they want. The player has no right to rip it up. The player is stuck. The team isn't. Now, the guarantee mechanisms, a word that had never been used before in the 20 years I've been covering the NFL, basically a series of roster bonuses built into the contract every year. Good move, forces the Chiefs to make an early decision. Instead of squatting on Patrick Mahomes until September, they have to make a decision in March every year. Nothing wrong with that. But that, 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 first of all, it's not guaranteed money. $477 million in guarantee mechanisms. All that means is there's a roster bonus every year that forces the Chiefs to make a decision early. And if the decision is, we no longer think that his skills and abilities justify what we're supposed to pay him, that's when he gets cut. And that's when he has to go out and find something else. That's when he becomes a free agent. But the reality is he only becomes a free agent if his play has diminished to the point where the Chiefs look at what they're due to pay him and they say, he's not worth this anymore. So if he's not worth that to the Chiefs, he's not going to be worth that to anybody else. There's no reason to do a 12-year deal. There really isn't. And I'm trying to understand why he agreed to it. My advice to Patrick Mahomes would have been this. Wait. You're due to make $27.63 million over the next two years. Wait. Franchise tag, exclusive franchise tag, which is what surely would be extended to Mahomes come early 2022, would be well north of $30 million. This year for Dak Prescott, the exclusive tag, 31.4. In two years, it may be 35, maybe more. Wait. 20% raise over that for 2023. 44% raise over that for 2024. Wait. Add up those numbers. For 2021, also 2020, the 27.63 million for the next two years, three years of the tag, five years. Do that math. That's what you're reasonably looking at getting. Barring some sort of an injury that derails your career and causes the Chiefs not to exercise the franchise tag. On top of that, you've got great endorsement money that's coming in. 
the the best player in the NFL, one of the most popular players in the NFL, endorsements out the wazoo for Patrick Mahomes. That's one of the reasons Dak Prescott has weighted his endorsement portfolio. You get an insurance policy to protect you against a career-ending injury. Now, look, the, the problem with insurance policies like that are, number one, they're very expensive, and number two, good luck trying to get the money when it's time to cash in because it has to be a truly career-ending injury. Those don't happen very often to quarterbacks. And then you can try to get a loss of value policy where you would argue, well, the contract I eventually got was worth a lot less than it would have been. Good luck proving that too. See, the problem with insurance companies is this. Their commodity is money. So they want to take in as much money as they can. They want to pay out as little money as they can. That's their commodity. They have no products. They have no goods. It's money. Let's take in as much as we can. Let's pay out as little as we can. And the last thing they want to do is pay out these gigantic policies that go to professional athletes. But still, still, it gives you protection against a truly catastrophic outcome that prevents you from ever playing again. So you look at the bird in the hand, you look at your path year to year under the franchise tag, you look at your endorsement money, you have faith in your ability to continue to play at a high level, and you just wait. Now, what's he get in return for that? He's traded in $27.63 million plus his ability to go year to year under the franchise tag for a contract that pays out $63 million fully guaranteed at signing or $1 million more fully guaranteed than what Ryan Tannehill got on a four-year contract with the Tennessee Titans. Is $63 million fully guaranteed at signing enough to justify a 12-year commitment? The easy answer to that question is no way in hell. It's not. It never is. So I'm still trying to understand why this was done. And there's some speculation in league circles that Lee Steinberg, who isn't known currently, although maybe he currently now is, as a high-level quarterback contract negotiator, there's some concern that if they had waited two years to do the Mahomes deal, maybe Mahomes decides to jump to another agency. Maybe after CAA gets a mega deal for Dak Prescott, Mahomes says, I think I'd like them to do my deal. Or if Deshaun Watson gets a great deal from the Texans, a three-year deal that pays him a ton of money but gets him back to the trough sooner rather than later. Maybe Mahomes decides to go to athletes first. Maybe after Russell Wilson gets his next deal, Mahomes decides that he's going to hire the baseball agent too. Hey, I played baseball. Mark Rogers, the baseball agent with one client, has done great work for Russell Wilson getting him market-setting deals. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll hire him. That's a real dynamic. I mean, I'm going to peel the curtain back. That's a very real dynamic for agents. They're always worried about someone stealing their clients. And if somebody would come in and get Patrick Mahomes to go sign with them, or even if Mahomes just decides on his own, I'm going to go with someone else, you don't make any future money. Now, Lee Steinberg and his firm are fully vested in whatever percentage they're getting of that $477 million over the next 12 years. That's a nice annuity payment. That's a nice... That's a nice check that arrives every year from Patrick Mahomes under this deal that pays out $45 million per year in new money on the 10-year extension. So just something to think about. Just, just part of the reality of the agent business in the National Football League. Doing the deal now locks in the fee for 12 years. Waiting for two years runs the risk that someone else may end up being the one who does the long-term deal for Patrick Mahomes. 
there's plenty of other angles and plenty of other wrinkles and things that I haven't even thought about yet that I'll think about uh, at some point, and I'll either write about it or we'll talk about it again tomorrow. But, but, but seriously, this isn't a criticism of Patrick Mahomes. He hired the agents to do the deal. You have to defer to your agents. They're the doctor. They're the expert. You need to trust them. I just don't know how you reconcile the talent that Patrick Mahomes has with a 12-year commitment that puts the full control in the hands of the team beyond the first couple of years. There's no reason to do this. None whatsoever. Well, he wants to stay in Kansas City. Well, that's fine. He can want to stay in Kansas City, but Kansas City has to want him. This is not a two-way commitment. Kansas City can say we're done with you at any time after we get past the first couple of years. You know what? Even then, the cap hits aren't that significant. If something happened, look, it's likely not going to happen. But the Chiefs have full flexibility. They have full control. They decide how long this lasts. This is not something that secures Patrick Mahomes' future in Kansas City. It secures Kansas City's future with Patrick Mahomes for as long as they want it, up to 12 years. That's why they bought that champagne yesterday, folks. What does this mean for Dak Prescott? I put the question out on Twitter today. Would the Cowboys offer Dak Prescott the Patrick Mahomes deal right now? And if so, would Patrick Mahomes' deal be accepted by Dak Prescott? And I have to let you know, Macy's just walked into the room. I thought the door was closed. So she's in here sniffing around. There's a chance you'll see her. She's under the desk right now. She thinks I may have dropped some food. I may have dropped some potato chips last night. So we're just going to keep this rolling. This is a new experience. Macy, can you please move? There, she's finally moved. You may see her in the background. There she is. I can see her back there. Anyway, uh, and, she, and I don't think she's been out to use the bathroom today, so there's a chance she may bark at some point. But with Dak Prescott, I don't believe he would take this deal for one very obvious reason. He's not going to commit for 12 years. He'd much rather take, I believe, the Ryan Tannehill contract. Four years, $118 million. By the way, Tannehill over the next four years is going to make more than Patrick Mahomes. Tannehill got $62 million fully guaranteed at signing. Mahomes got $63 million fully guaranteed at signing. I think between the two deals, Dak would take Tannehill over Mahomes. We know Dak only wants to do a four-year deal. So what does this mean for Dak Prescott? Look, it ultimately means nothing because Prescott's got – 31.4 million in hand for this year, 37.68 million in hand for next year if they tag him again, and then the opportunity to hit the open market or get a 44% raise for 2022. I've been saying all along, the Cowboys have to offer him something that will get him to trade in what he could make this year, next year, and come 2022, whether they tag him again at a 44% raise or they let him become a free agent. Patrick Mahomes' deal means nothing to Dak Prescott. Now, here's the problem. Because the best player in football has done this 12-year deal, what's going to happen to these other quarterbacks? They're going to have to deal with this comparison. You're going to hear that teams will be saying to players, well, you're no Patrick Mahomes. What makes you think you deserve a better deal than he got? We want you to sign a 12-year deal. It was good enough for Mahomes. It should be good enough for you. Now, that's, that's probably not going to work but it complicates life for the agents who are trying to negotiate these long-term deals for quarterbacks moving forward. 12 years should not become the norm. The deals need to be shorter, especially as we move toward a world where everything is going to increase. It's hard to see past the pandemic. 
but there is a future beyond the pandemic. And once we get there, the numbers are going to go up. And whether he admits it or not, Patrick Mahomes is going to regret having signed a deal that commits him to the Chiefs for 12 years, but doesn't commit the Chiefs to him for 12 years. Deshaun Jackson's in the news for a ridiculously anti-Semitic post that he put on social media. I'm not going to quote it. I don't even want to say much about it. I'm just flabbergasted that something that ridiculously wrong would end up on social media. The question is this, what are the Eagles going to do about it? Now, when Riley Cooper was videotaped using a slur back in 2013-14 timeframe, early in the Chip Kelly tenure in Philadelphia, they found a way to move forward, which surprised me because, frankly, Riley Cooper wasn't good enough of a player to justify finding a way to move forward. But they got Mike Vick involved. He smoothed things over in the locker room. There were guys like LaShawn McCoy who wanted Riley Cooper out. And once the Eagles were done with Cooper, he never could find footing anywhere else. Deshaun Jackson falls into a category right now in his career where he's not good enough to justify the trouble. And we know this is how it works for football. Great players, key players, you find a way to work with them. You don't want their redemption to come with one of your arch rivals. Lesser players, you make an example out of them. Now, I think the right thing to do for this kind of hatred in this moment, for that kind of ridiculous anti-Semitic talk in this moment, the right thing to do is sever ties, regardless of who it is. It's an easier analysis for the Eagles because it's a guy who's on the downward slope of his career. They, they got nothing out of him last year, although what they got in week one against Washington. And I remember talking to Carson Wentz after that game. Jackson's abilities, the two long touchdown passes that he scored helped turn around a game that was going the wrong way for Philadelphia. And until they know how their rookie first rounder is going to work out, maybe, maybe, you know, Jackson's in that, that, that no man's land between obviously you get rid of him and obviously you find a way to work it out with him. My preference would be for this kind of hatred in this moment, there, there should be no tolerance for it and there should be a significant consequence. But the reality is this, I, I don't think Deshaun Jackson is canceled. There's going to be somebody out there. If the Eagles move on from Deshaun Jackson once he makes the proper atonement, and he's already trying, uh, I, I, I don't know, taken out of context, misconstrued. It's like Charles Barkley saying he was misquoted in his own autobiography. There's a point where you can't say that what you said isn't what you meant to say. But at some point, he'll get that second chance, especially this year, with the likelihood that plenty of players will end up on the COVID-19 list as this virus inevitably spreads through locker rooms, practice fields, game fields, et cetera. So that's the analysis the Eagles have to engage in. And their owner's Jewish and their general manager is Jewish. And we'll see how they react to the ridiculously anti-Semitic thoughts that were put on social media by Deshaun Jackson. We may do a, a second PFTPM later today with an update. For now, the Eagles haven't said anything. I assume that they'll be saying something sooner rather than later. Last point before we go. And again, like I said, there is a very good chance that we may do another segment later today. The uh, NFLPA and the NFL careening toward impasse when it comes to some of the key protocols that will apply for practicing and playing in a pandemic. J.C. Treader, the NFLPA president, has posted a new item at the NFLPA website. I haven't had a chance to write about it yet at Pro Football Talk, but it is obvious that there are issues. It is obvious there is disagreement. And it is obvious that 
the union is trying to put pressure on the NFL to ensure that the circumstances for a return to practice and a return to play are as safe as they possibly can be for the players. But here's the fundamental problem the union faces. And this was illustrated by comments from Buccaneers tackle Ali Marpet to JoeBucksFan.com. Wrote about this earlier today. In the same set of comments, Marpet said, well, you know, it may be that the NFLPA doesn't recommend that players play this year based upon whatever it is the NFL wants to do. Okay, fine. In that same exchange, Marpet pointed out that the recommendation from the NFLPA that players shouldn't engage in group activities until training camp being ignored by his own teammates like Tom Brady, that that's no big deal because there's no enforcement there. That's just a recommendation. Well, here's the problem. If guys like Tom Brady are going to ignore the recommendation by the NFLPA to not engage in group workouts before training camp, do you think they're going to heed any recommendation by the NFLPA to not show up for training camp? Do you think they're going to heed any recommendation by the NFLPA not to play games? If they try to launch a wildcat strike over concerns that the NFL isn't providing a sufficiently safe workplace, will it play out like a strike where everyone is in solidarity and walks off the job and stays off the job and gets the NFL to buckle? Or will it be some guys leave, some guys stay, and the NFL happily finds guys who can walk right through the door and take the place of the ones who leave and the thing just keeps rolling? What do you think it'll be based upon the history of NFL player strikes. Go back to 1987. <laughs> Macy's making noises back there. They brought in replacement players and the players caved. They came back. Now, the NFL doesn't want it to come to that. I think the NFL is trying to cooperate with the players for one very important reason. They want the players to buy in completely to the safety protocols. They want the players to be conscientious about not getting infected. They want the players to do the right things when they go home. They want the players to not be going out to restaurants and bars. That'll be easier in the states where the bars are closed. But in the states where the bars are open, you want the players to make good decisions. If your players are upset, if your players are pissed off, maybe they will be inclined to engage in riskier behaviors that could bring the virus into the facility and could cause the season to collapse upon itself. I think that's what the NFL is trying to do. That's the challenge for the league. Because if it comes down to a wildcat strike, it ain't going to be all that wild because most of the cats are going to decide to either not leave in the first place or come back once others are brought into play. The challenge is making sure everyone does everything they're supposed to do to keep the virus out of the facility and off of the field so there isn't the kind of outbreak among multiple teams that forces teams to shut down and that ultimately forces the league to shut down. That's the challenge. That's why the NFL is working with the NFLPA and the clock is ticking. It's time to reach some decisions so the coaches will know what the rules are and can plan accordingly. So the general managers will know what the rules are and can plan accordingly. And so people will be able to show up for work. Rookies on June 21, rest of the team or July 21, excuse me, rest of the team on July 28. It's already July 7. There isn't much time to get this done. Here's hoping that it does. All right, that's it for this morning's edition of PFTPM. Based upon the developments throughout the course of the day, we may do something later on. Until then, check us out all day long at profootballtalk.com. We'll talk to you again soon.
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.